Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. What makes them industry giants? Get ready to take a peek inside and learn their secrets of success. This is Silicon Valley Insider, the show that demystifies the valley and helps to elevate your business to the next level. Now, your host for Silicon Valley Insider, Keith Koo. Welcome to Silicon Valley Insider. I am your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, I have Prithu Prakash, who's a vice president of business development at Redline Communications in Toronto, Canada, and also one of my fellow technology board advisors for the Center of Innovation and Commercialization out of Miami, Florida. Uh, Prithu will be talking a lot about innovation and technology, so don't go away. So on this week's tech news, first up is a follow-up to a story that broke out a little while back, which is Marriott is being assessed a $125 million fine for a data breach that affected 339 million customers worldwide. As we've discussed, the European Union has a GDPR, General Data Protection of the European Union, and uh, Marriott's one of the most high-level cases of a data breach that affected many European citizens. So even though Marriott is based in Maryland in the United States, uh, the long arm of regulatory reach around the world, they are subject to this fine. An interesting story is that hedge funds are tracking private jets to anticipate murders and acquisitions. Uh, in a write-up, because the call letters, the tail sign of planes are publicly available information. There are very enterprising hedge funds that are tracking that information, seeing if they can anticipate a deal. In one study, there were over seven such instances where people could correlate executives meeting in private jets and a possible merger acquisition coming out of that. Which leads to the following M&A rumor that Broadcom is in discussions to acquire beleaguered Symantec. And this is interesting because Broadcom has been snapping up companies that doesn't seem like a natural fit like Computer Associates last year. However, that is in discussion. I just want to make it clear that this isn't in any way related to the story I just reported on with hedge funds being able to anticipate deals based on private jet logs. And finally, Instagram announced that they're unveiling an anti-bullying feature because of all the things that happen, especially with teenagers, that as a person is going to submit an Instagram, the artificial intelligence will tell them whether the program thinks that what they're about to send off in social media is an actual bullying message. And that's the tech news of the week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm joined with Prithu Prakash, Vice President of Business Development at Redline Communications and also Chief Technology Officer of the Center for Innovation and Commercialization. I had Charlie Gans, the CEO of CICL, on a couple of months back. Welcome back, Prithu. Hello, Keith. How are you? Thank you for having me. Great for you to be here. And one other thing is to make sure you don't miss the end of today's show because Prithu is a member of the Forbes Business Development Council. And on the pivot, he'll be talking a lot about what companies can do to stay current. So Prithu, I wanted to get started with, you have decades of experience in technology through all manners of what's hot today, 
IoT, mobility, and cyber. How did you amass all that information? How did you get started? Because each one is a career on its own. Decades. Wow, you make me sound super old. Um, but I guess in technology, six months is like a decade. Well, it's dog years, uh, right? So, you know, even two decades would so. be in dog years, uh, many more. So. Uh-huh. so so technology, how did I get to cyber, mobility, IoT? I guess I've been pretty lucky. The companies that I've worked for in the past have uh, afforded me the opportunity to, to work in those areas. Um, so look, looking at the way technology has evolved, it's really a tool. It's really a tool to address a situation. And that situation needs to be put in context by the industry. And understanding those metrics um, kind of takes you to, you know, whatever, whatever is needed for that. And engineering has always been a dream that I've, um, I've kept with. Um, it's not really a job. It's more of a, a hobby. Understanding how technology has evolved over the years. Um, it's been easy because it's it's a passion. Um, I've been pretty lucky in the with what I've done so far. Now looking at looking at mobility um, and the different types of frequencies and the protocols that are out there. Uh, looking at the way mobility in um, in cellular uh, mobility in private communications, um, fixed, mobile, point to point, uh, meshed. There's so many different types. Um, is only a part of the equation, and expanding that into um, um, into uh, networked uh, communication, um, IP-based, and then applying different types of sensors on the end, they all kind of all jive together. It's like an onion; you need to have all the layers in place to have the complete the complete onion. Right. And and cyber, um, the way cyber was uh, was uh, was applied was really from the uh, from the companies that I worked for in the past. Um, how are we able to protect ourselves from known and unknown threats and how are we able to uh, create threats and uh, for the other parties. So it's, it's, it was really like a rolling stone. You had to go to all ports in order to assemble a solution that, was, um, uh, that, that the customer really needed. Well, you, you worked for some fantastic companies in their time, but also shows how technology shifted uh, from Ericsson to Newbridge to General Dynamics uh, what is some of your best experiences from those companies? Well, I would say well, the companies were, were, were great companies, um, just to name a few, um, Ericsson, uh, Newbridge, Alcatel, Bell Mobility, um, General Dynamics, the few of the companies that I worked for. The, the companies in themselves were good, but, the, um, uh, but my managers and the leadership there was equally good, and the, both were needed in order to kind of fuel my passion in going forward. Um, my experiences there, I would say the ability to think freely and the ability to implement based upon, based upon engineering principles, based upon process principles from the customer, um, based upon marketing principles. And that's, that's what I kind of wrote um, the Forbes papers around too. Yeah, which we'll get into at the end. But I think that's really the secret sauce to you, Prithu, is how did you, with your technical background, how did you make the business requirements that would make sense to the marketing folks to actually get that product aligned and sold? So it's, it's, like, a, it's like a jigsaw puzzle, if you will. Um, if, if you look at the three elements, business, process, and engineering, from a business perspective, um, let, me, let me share a joke. Um, so if you, if you get these three guys in a room and you've got a business guy, a process guy, and an engineering guy, 
The business guy knows nothing about processes. The process guy doesn't care too much about business. The engineering guy needs to know a little bit about process and a little bit about um, uh, business in order to put a solution together. But very rarely do, the, do you get those three brains inside one person. Right. So if we, if, we, if we break down the business a little bit more, the only thing they care about is accuracy, speed, and lower cost. That's, 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 their, that's their DNA. And when we look at the process side, they look at reliability and quality and nothing else. That's their DNA. If you look on the engineering side, they care about what are the tools, what is the time to change, and what is the cost to change in order for evolution to occur based upon the technology and the feeds that they have at that point. But if you mush all of those three elements together, you come up with a pretty difficult equation to solve. But the ones that have solved it come up with very, very good solutions, and that's, and that's what we've kind of done. No, that's great, Prithu. Thanks. Good start to the show. What I want to do now is uh, take a break and come back in our next segment to talk about one of the best success stories in your introduction to CICL. So once again, you're listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. Join the Prithvi Prakash, Vice President of Redline Communications, Forbes contributor and senior advisor to CICL. If you have any questions or comments on how to get in touch with Prithvi or CICL or myself, email us at info at svn.biz and we'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm joined with Prithvi Prakash, Vice President at Redline Communications out of Toronto, Canada, as well as Chief Technology Officer and Advisor to the Center for Innovation and Commercialization, and Forbes contributor. Welcome back, Prithu. Thank you. So, Prithu, this is a question that's really perfect for someone like you to answer. With the rate of technology change that's happened almost exponentially, how are companies keeping up with that rate of change? What's their best way to adopt and innovate? Do they build or buy, or do they do something else? Really dependent upon a vertical. Um, because each vertical behaves a lot different to another. But basically, across, across the board, there's a sensor involved, there's a network involved, and there's a database involved. And the relationships between all three are based upon where the core knowledge um, is, is held, um, machine to human, human to machine. If you look at the way sensors have evolved, if you look at the way networks have evolved, wireless as well as fixed, and look at the way databases have evolved, um, and all of the um, all of the various types of optimization protocols that sit in between, that sit in between, it's very difficult for one company to to solve the whole equation, mm-hmm. to solve the whole the whole solution. And, and that takes us to what would the business metrics look like? What would the business relationships look like? And do you have the right partners at the table? Um, and would those partners help fix a problem or would they just point fingers? But when we look at the old business processes, um, I guess of the last, even today, of the last 10, 15 years, it's, it's been what are your requirements? Um, what product off the shelf can do this? Do you meet those requirements? What's the lowest cost and can we implement it? So having the right partners around the table is equally important as the technology that you're going to deploy. 
But in order to shorten the procurement cycle, um, a type of platform, I would say, is needed. And it's not really a physical platform like, uh, um, like the ones we're used to on our computers. It's more of, a, I would say, a business platform. Looking forward, if I was to envision a business instrument that would enable companies deploy their capabilities and then hand off to another company that could do something else equally better. We have open standards, and we know how open standards work and don't work. Uh, we know interoperability and how that works and doesn't work. But from a business perspective, from a risk perspective, we need to have some sort of um, a model where where uh, companies can come um, or could be um, used uh, where we could use their capabilities to 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 uh, resolve a capability and then hand off to another company that would solve another capability. If we were able to develop this kind of business instrument, then what would happen would be that certain companies would specialize in core technologies deeper than, than their competition, for example. Whereas today, we have companies trying to do everything and anything in order to support an RFP based upon a point system in order to get the contract. And, and it's that dilution and the need of concentration and the dire need of a business relationship that can support the deep understandings of technologies and moving forward. Now, one of the examples is cybersecurity. Uh, another example is mobility in itself and how Spectrum is being devised and rethought going forward and how white space, for example, is going to be managed in going forward and how various protocols are going to operate in various frequency bands, which they've never done before. I would say that the business instrument is lacking um, the ability to support modern technologies the way it needs to. The old, the old technology, the old business models uh, support technologies that are over 20 years old. And that, I think, is the biggest need in the market today, the, the, the biggest singular need in the market today. Thanks again. You know, Prithu, um, that was really insightful. I, I want to come back to uh, what you were saying earlier in, in the question was the procurement practices, you're saying that's you know, 10 or 15 years past. I mean, even 10 or 15 years ago, when we revolutionized how procurement was done, it was it was still archaic. And uh, I really like the concept of the partner management. Uh, one of the best things to think about, because I know lots of companies Buyers and sellers fall into the procurement cycle, which you get into this endless loop of here's your requirements, here's the point system, who scored what. And yeah, if a procurement team is in control of the request for proposal, they're going to heavily weight it towards price. And so much gets lost because there's so much nuance in the technology itself. That's why we had a rise in the teams I created, vendor management, which is more relationship-based, understanding the stakeholders on both sides. Uh, one thing I thought was really uh, topical, because that's why you and I are both involved with the Center for Innovation and Commercialization, is that even that model becomes outdated because of, to your point, the rate of technology has increased so rapidly that going through the full life cycle of a traditional RFP process ultimately lead to missing a lot of critical capabilities that come out because you have to be able to now pivot between a new capability that comes up when you thought you were procuring 
X and now Y has come out of the of the woods. You're you're already investing in in obsolescent technology. Yes, exactly. So so the procurement model today looks at what tries to be fair, tries to be open, needs to have accountability, and of course it's the point system. But the new model, still a procurement model, needs to needs to well the RFPs I would say need to be better written. Um, the costs of change need to be um, defined clearer, and the time to change needs to be defined clearer. But in order to have those definitions in place, the process needs to be understood. And and what I've found is what people are looking for, what customers are looking for, is very different to what they get. And what they get, they really, they really don't know how to use in some cases. So we're left with stranded technology. That's where uh, one of the success stories I wanted to bring up was your role at General Dynamics in the Shield program, you actually implemented uh, some of this thought leadership in how to rapidly innovate in a in an old world kind of company. So, can you give a little description of what that was like? What was it like? We created a, um, a I guess a smaller company within a large company, and so we had a big brother kind of approach within General Dynamics when we started the Shield program, uh, the public safety program, a global program headed out of Canada. And uh, what we were looking to do was to take um, uh, the thought leadership um, from the military side uh, of General Dynamics and apply it to an adjacent industry, in this case, public safety, um, by leveraging as much enterprise equipment as possible. Now, the reason we looked at enterprise equipment was because it's cheaper, um, it's readily accessible, um, IP can be added to it in, um, in, uh, in short order. And, um, and it could be used anywhere around the world. Uh, it was non-military um, or it was not ITAR controlled. Mm-hmm. So that, that was the premise of, um, of the um, public safety activities within General Dynamics. And as we were looking for the best technologies out there based upon the platform model that, that, that we were talking about earlier, it took, us to, it took me to CICL, which was, uh, which was where, where we met. Um, and um, and deployed um, we, we deployed their um, capabilities in moving forward. Hey, Prithi, I'm going to um, hold you right there because it's such an engrossing conversation. I'm going to save it for the next segment. So once again, Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo, with Prithi Prakash, Vice President of Redline Communications, Chief Technology Officer and Senior Advisor to the Center for Innovation and Commercialization, when we come back, I'll be discussing the cyber tip of the week as well as speaking to Prithu more about the CICL model. For any questions or comments about today's show, email us at info at svn.biz and we'll be right back. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. On today's show, I have Prithu Prakash, VP of Redline Communications out of Canada, as well as a senior advisor to the Center for Innovation and Commercialization. On this week's Cyber Tip, and at risk of sounding like a broken record, I'm going to continue to talk about ransomware. I've talked about it for several weeks now. Uh, many jurisdictions in the United States, cities in Florida, municipality, the court system in Georgia have all been hit 
And a lot of these jurisdictions have actually paid the ransom. So out of the United Kingdom, the top forensics firm in England actually also paid a ransom because they just couldn't get any of the work done. So this forensics group is used by many law enforcement officials in the UK to do DNA analysis, blood samples, etc. And because of their breach, they just couldn't continue to work. There were many customers that were moving to other clients. I bring this up because it's if the top firms in the world are subject to these types of attacks, so are you. So here's a reminder of just some of the things you can do to keep yourself safe. Always be vigilant about phishing attacks. Always really be sure that in an email, you know what you're clicking on. Don't just blindly click on things. Always patch your system. So whether it's your mobile device or your desktop, keep up with the latest software. If you're a system administrator, keep up on your servers. Do whatever you can to limit any automatic code execution. There's just another story that Zoom, the web conferencing software for a Mac, would automatically launch and that would immediately put up your camera and you could do some malicious things to that. They just stopped that. Uh, Make sure that you have uh, browser tracking so that you know that when you're going to get to a malicious website. And also be sure that you always know what's getting put into your computer. So USB drives, SD cards, anytime a hacker has physical access to your machine, it can be compromised. And that's the Cyber Tip of the Week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, special guest, Prithir Prakash, Vice President of Redline Technology and the Chief Technology Officer of the Center for Innovation and Commercialization. Hi, Prithu. Hey, how are you? So just to give a quick summary, because it's been a really engaging conversation with Prithu, who is an industry thought leader, a deep experience in IoT, mobility, and cyber. In our last segment, we were talking about how companies need to adapt in business models. So we were giving the example of traditional buyer and seller or the procurement cycle, a technology deal. Oftentimes, with the rapidly changing face of technology that you could be set on a procurement deal and focusing on price where the requirements need to be changed or adapted because a technology shift has already occurred. We see this time and again in traditional industries as well as even in technology companies. And so, Prithi, we were, we were talking about some of the work that you were doing with General Dynamics and CICL to leapfrog this process. So I wanted to get right back into that. I guess the truth could be with any company that's looking to innovate, which is looking to adapt and evolve. I guess there's three main, three main categories. Are you looking to evolve a solution or deliver a solution, um, evolve or deliver a product, or evolve and deliver a service? And in all cases, we needed to better understand the market, understand the relationships of the uh, players in the market as well as, as well as the competition, being able to put together a proof of concept and do demos that were valuable. So we were looking to not only address all of these, but we were looking to build relationships and build the credibility of the company as well as we were going into a new adjacent, in this case, public safety. Mm-hmm. So when CICL came along, we needed, we needed to understand a number of things. We need to understand what is the new technology out there from an enterprise perspective. How could we map our military capabilities on top of that as value-added IP? How can we reduce risk, overall risk, to the end customer as well as to the company itself? Um, Advocate ourselves, test it. The most important piece was how can we save time? 
So you, you can imagine, uh, let's take um, um, border security as an example. Yes. Threats that come in over air. There are threats that come in which are land-based. Threats that come in from under, under the ground through tunnels. And there's threats that come in through water, standing water and moving water. How do you resolve and how do you make sure that you can capture all of those and, um, and have positive hits uh, with one particular type of solution, different types of technologies, different types of companies? A company that does radar doesn't usually work well underwater. Uh, those are sonar companies. So how do you make sure that the two integrate well together as one solution? And we needed, we needed to understand not only the technology, the companies, but the roadmaps as well as the direction of the market. These technologies that are deployed are usually deployed for 5, 10, 15 years at a time. Um, our customers don't flip out uh, vendors readily. They want to build that relationship, and we want to build that relationship as well. But in order to build that relationship, we needed to have core, competent companies in supporting us. So what CICL was able to do was to take these loose requirements and shortlist hundreds and hundreds of companies down to, in, in this case, 45 companies. Mm-hmm. And we were able to do that uh, in a matter of months. Whereas if we had tried to do this within a large bureaucratic old way of thinking uh, company, we would never have been able to um, offer anything. Yeah, that's, it's a really good point because uh, I know not everyone's intimate on how these deals get done, but having done over thousands of these deals, uh, it is really cumbersome for you to have to evaluate that many responders to um, a request for proposal. So the ability for a company like CACL to synthesize down to 45 companies, it still sounds like a large task, but to systematically be able to go through that process with you uh, saved a lot of cycles in what um, innovation center would have to do on their own. It would take years to do that. So CICL was able to do, I would say, a very, very quick, methodical, extremely precise RFI for us. We, um, we interviewed the companies, met the companies. Uh, we saw their technology. We met their customers. We saw their roadmaps. We, we met their suppliers. So if we were looking, like we talked earlier about um, a business model um, that, that complemented uh, the old procurement models that we see today, uh, where you go for the lowest, lowest bidder, that's still valid if you still want to go there. But what CICL offered was um, a very, very streamlined approach in evaluating exactly what we were doing. What is the best technology? How do we move forward and do we trust them? It's a good time to bring up core versus context, which is this concept that many organizations to this day still don't get, which is your crown jewels for your organization, your company, that's core. And anything outside of that, you should be willing to procure, outsource, find help somewhere else because it's not core to your business. That's where the term context comes in. Now, what Prithu is talking about is an even deeper model, which is once you figure what your core is, you can now rapidly iterate because you have partners like a CICL and Innovation Center that you're really clear on what you want to develop, your customers, what they want, the requirements, and now you can laser focus, whether it's technology or a business process, these are the types of solutions you're seeking. And I think that's where the secret sauce is, Prithu. I agree. And in addition to that, there's the value of what you have 
for you. The value you have in the eyes of your customer isn't really the price or what you're offering. The value you have in front of your customer is, can you help them should their mind change? Can you help them um, as their business processes and as the market adapts? And how quickly can you get there? If you're able to adapt to those changes quicker and cheaper and offer um, the points that I mentioned earlier, accuracy, uh, speed, uh, at a lower cost, based upon the platform that's been deployed, you will always be golden in the eyes of the customer. And that's a lot different to the way business is perceived today. Today, business is perceived what's the biggest and the cheapest and the quickest. But as technology is getting cheaper and cheaper, as technology is evolving faster and faster, more emphasis is going back to how have you architected it? How have you built the solution? And how can you stay with the customer moving forward? The advice I would give in any customer-supplier relationship, it's that it's a relationship. It's not just lowest price, especially in technology, because so much is at stake. You're investing in a technology stack, and that's why it's important that once you have a trusted advisory group that's helping you with this, that you really have that bilateral communication to know exactly the intimacy of what's required. And that's what makes successful partnerships in, in any business endeavor it isn't, as Prithia said, it's not just about lowest cost and what those basic requirements are. It's what more can you do for each other. So Prithu, with the final moment we have in this segment, I wanted you to have an opportunity to talk about any advice you'd like to give. Every single company, irrespective of the vertical, needs to understand what's a commodity and what's value add. They would say buying a, a sensor is a commodity. Buying bandwidth is a commodity. But there's more to it these days. The analytics creating your own data lake, running your own uh, queries across that data lake, understanding your processes. How can we shorten the time? How can we have less touch points? How can we increase accuracy? How can we make sure that we're supporting legacy technologies, legacy processes, as well as ensuring we can um, keep an eye on just over the horizon, keep an eye on what evolution may be. Now, as we see companies, as we see industries, not everybody is fully versed on what technology is. Not everybody is versed upon um, what the best process is. So making sure that we have um, a solution, making sure we have something, um, um, analytics assigned to an IoT, making sure that uh, the edge is fully aware, having redundancy within the network, either fixed or mobile, making sure that the database um, is either distributed or centralized based upon what you need, and making sure that all data is fully secure. And if it is breached, what is your plan of uh, defense? How do you make sure if you are under a cyber attack, you keep your operations operational? Um, all of these things, all of these factors, risk mitigation, all of these factors play a big role in how tomorrow's technologies, uh, tomorrow's uh, business cases uh, can evolve a lot effectively than they are today. Um, like we, we live in a wonderful um, uh, time, I would say. Yeah, great point. And Prithu, I, the time has gone by so fast. I want to thank you again for being here on today's show. Prithu Prakash, Vice President of Runline Communication and also Senior Advisor to CICL. If you have questions on how to engage with CICL, email us at info at svn.biz. 
And we'll be right back to wrap up with Prithu on The Pivot. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. Today's show has been with my special guest, Prithu Prakash, Vice President of Business Development at Red Light Communications, Chief Technology Officer, Senior Advisor at the Center for Innovation and Commercialization, and a Forbes Business Development Committee contributor. Welcome back, Prithu. Thank you. On today's pivot, we're going to talk about actual pivots at an individual thought leader level. Prithu, as we talked about earlier, is an expert in IoT, mobility, and cyber. Each one of those could have been a career alone, but we're going to talk about how did Prithu keep up with that rate of change. And we just looked at Prithu, even mobility from 3G to 4G, now to 5G. I don't think people understand that. It's not like it's just natural progression. These are serious technology shifts and advancements that require you know, an entire education around. How does somebody like you keep up with all of that? Ooh, a lot of reading. Um, but um, also being part of the standards committees has, has helped a lot. Talking to uh, like-minded people um, um, definitely helps. I don't think anybody can sit and read and read and read and read. They'll just go cross-eyed. But um, um, sharing thoughts, sharing ideas has always helped uh, in moving forward. And if you get to, I guess, if you get to a certain level, Adding on um, additional thoughts, additional ideas becomes easier as long as you stay abreast. Um, like even in the standards committees, uh, corporations, companies, they want to generate brand new IP. They want to keep things as close to the chest as possible um, that, that could um, stifle innovation or it could increase innovation. There's always a commercial aspect to um, to 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 what people do, but. How do, how do you keep up with stuff like this? I guess I guess I did it backwards. I listened to the customer first. I wanted to understand from a customer's perspective what do they want to do. And the more you listen, the more you the more they talk, the more you understand it's not really a particular vendor or a particular product they're looking at. It's a, it's a, a problem they want to solve. And and once you understand the problem, then they start talking about. Well, if this changes and that changes, how can we reflect? How can we, how can we um, address um, a shift? Uh, should we design something? So, building dynamic networks opposed to static networks, building um, building a um, a capability that has, lack of a better word, wiggle room, um, is key. Um, we've we've talked about it through the show. Um, what is the relationship? And everybody talks about relationships. But that relationship needs to be what is uh, a commodity and what is a value add. And why is that value add there? Is it quality that's important? Is it time that's important? What is it that you're looking to do? Is it a, a byproduct that you want to reduce carbon emission, for example? Um, it, by understanding these simple, simple things, um, you're able to design systems that maybe would take me to a different field. Um, but that, that different field would complement what we already know. And that's the value of solution architecture. That's the value of um, building business models and um, uh, technology models um, for uh, for the new world of engineering, uh, given the advances and the, um, and, the, and the quickness that is happening. 
But if we look at if we look at what has evolved, um, I would say ninety percent of the stuff that didn't evolve was was also important. Like we we see that five G is important, but the number of topics that were discussed before they got to five G was tremendous. Mm-hmm. And it, it whittled down to, well, we're going to have this uh, timing sequence uh, because it makes sense. Okay, the why did you go for that timing sequence and not um, another one? Well, there's pros and cons. Understanding that, I know it's nitty-gritty and the nuances. Understanding that and, and uh, defining why it is helps understand how protocols, uh, how frequencies, how um, RF propagation um, all come together. Well, this is a really good point you bring up, right? I, when, I, when I think about today's show, and we're talking about the group that we're advisors on Center for Innovation and Commercialization. I can already think of a technology that I can't discuss exactly on the air, but in terms of helping them rapidly understand the changing landscape in RF communication and the things that are required in what was learned in the 5G context – I mean, we're able to rapidly iterate with them, bring them the right ecosystem of corporate partners and investors. And it's not like that's for every company, but for companies with great up-and-coming technology, that is something that we can help with at every level. It's not just the technology. You're absolutely right, uh, Keith. It's not just the technology. It's, It's understanding the customer. It's understanding the technology. It's understanding the market. And it's knowing how to um, implement and execute. Sometimes, sometimes it's good not to do anything. Other times, it's it's uh, it's good to double down. Um, and it's knowing when to um, push down and when not to push down. That's the um, that's uh, that's the key. Well, Prithu, the time has gone by super fast. Thanks again for being here. Uh, welcome you to come back anytime. Oh, thank you. It's been a, been a pleasure chatting. And just as a reminder, the Center for Innovation and Commercialization is a advisory group of former C-level executives from top companies such as Microsoft, HP, Cisco, Bank of Tokyo, General Dynamics. And we're here to help people iterate fast, whether you're a Fortune 500 company or whether you're a startup that is going through your rounds Look to us for some help. So you can email us at info at svn.biz to learn more information. You can listen to our past podcast with Charlie Gans, the CEO of CICL. And we look forward to hearing you next week. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. For questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with Keith about your business, call 1-888-828-SVIN. That's one 888 828-7846 888-828-SVIN